All right. So much. You guys are still talking about Pokemon Go, right? I don't even know what a Trogdor is, but I didn't capture it either. Hey, if, if I can get some people right here uh, in this front row, it, it's not the splash section in Shamu, like at SeaWorld. Like, like you're not going to get like tortured or whatever. I'm not going to splash anything over you. Awesome. Awesome. Look at you guys. <sighs> Man, can we get a nice hand for our uh, worship team for just killing it? Seriously. Like, I don't, yeah, Bernard B. Uh, that's my boy. Um, dude, I, I just don't, I mean, I really, I'm so, so lucky to be like hanging with like a great cafe team, a great connection team, prayer team, worship team. If that's like, there's so many other teams. I just want you guys to feel what I feel. And the best way to do that is sign up for a connection team or one of those teams over there. And because they're awesome, they're amazing, and they're so supportive. So can we get a hand for all the teams that came together to make everything happen? Joey with the nuts and bolts team. Dane with the safety team is killing it. Yeah, it's my boy. D. Anyways, um, we're in a series called uh, Brand New, and we're going to be looking today in the book of Acts at the brand new church. And for me, this is a brand new church, because if it's your first time, you, you're in good, you know, you're, we're in good company, because this is like my sixth time coming to Soma. So I'm seriously brand new to this place, and I hope we can be friends. But one of the things, um, growing up, I, I, I used to wonder, like, as I, as I grew up and started going to Bible church and all kinds of stuff, I learned other things. But, but early on, just in my walk in life, I didn't understand spirituality very well. I, I used to think Satan was going to get me, like, for some reason, that I was a target and Satan wanted me, right? And uh, one of the ways I thought Satan wanted to get me uh, was... Uh, was was, was through fire somehow. Fire. Like, I didn't, like, when I was five years old, I didn't understand um, static electricity. So whenever I went in my bed and put the covers over my head and I would move my feet, feet really fast, I would see sparks. But I used to think that they were flames, like, coming up from underneath my bed, which was a portal to hell, and that's where I was going to go. Like, that's exactly, you're laughing because maybe you thought the same thing. But... That is exactly how I thought Satan was going to get me. Another way I thought Satan was going to get me was um, there's all these like scary movies that were coming out with these dolls that like started to animate themselves and like go after humans. And so whenever I would see like like a like a kid playing with like this baby that that when you lay it on its back it closes its eyes, but when you bring it up the eyes would just suddenly open. Freaked me out, man. This is the scariest thing ever. I didn't understand there's water in the head that like changed the balance of the eyes. And that freaked me out. And then there was that time when I was at Starbucks and a nicely dressed man offered me everything I ever wanted. All I had to do was sign over my soul. But that wasn't Satan, right? Um, and so I totally did not understand how Satan wanted to get me. Uh, I thought it was through uh, static electricity or through crazy dolls or, you know, you know someone offering me a million dollars for an exchange of my soul. Uh, but that, for the exchange of my soul, <clears throat> which I would be like, dude, I'm worth that much? Cool. <laughs> uh, but... As I started reading the Bible, I realized <laughs> Satan doesn't hunt you down that way. He actually hunts us down in a very different way. And if you look at 1 Peter, 
First Peter 5, 8, you don't have to look at it because I'm just going to reference the verse really swiftly and then move on. But, but this actually explains to me how Satan really wants to get me. Uh, and it says here in 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober-minded. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to what? Devour. Devour. Right? Satan prowls like a lion. You know how lions eat? Do you know what lions eat? (coughs) Gazelles, deers, anything that usually you find in packs, you know. You find them in herds of, like, you always see gazelles and, and deer. They're, like, together. But when a lion attacks... What they do, they don't attack right away. They distract first. So what they do is they run into the herd, and then the herd, what? Disperses, right? And they go after the one little, the one little cute little, the little guy, the little doe, a deer, a female deer. Um, <laughs> they go after, right? right? As soon as the deer is by itself, that's when the lion attacks. And I believe... This generation, at this church, the only way Satan is going to get you is by getting you out of the church, is by getting you alone. And so the next question that I want to ask is, how would Satan get you out of the church? (laughs) I'm glad you asked, because we're going to actually explore that question, because the way Satan is going to get you out of the church is the same way Satan tried to get people out of the church in the book of Acts the first church, the brand new church. So before we jump into the book of Acts chapter six, can I pray for us tonight? Ah, man, Jesus. <laughs> You've given me a family full of brothers and sisters and they are wonderful brothers and sisters and I'm so thankful that you have done that. You've given me a father who I can run to who I can cast my fears on, who would hold me when I feel unlovable, who would carry my my excitement when there's no one to share my excitement with. I can always talk to you, Dad. Father, I pray that you just be with me even right now. And I pray that you would be with those who are broken, who are lost, who are fatherless, who are familyless. I pray that you would make some of their family and you would reveal to them how much you love them today. In Jesus' name we all said, amen, amen. Amen. Well, the book of Acts um, starts with um, chapter 6, verse 1, or it doesn't start with chapter 6. We're starting with chapter (laughs) 6. Thank you. Someone was going to correct me, I know. It says, In those days when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained. Someone say complained. Complained. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked. Someone say overlooked? Overlooked. In the daily distribution of food. Pause. Okay. All right, it says, in those days, in in what days? The disciples were increasing. Let me just tell you, up until chapter 6, the church is literally awesome, amazing, right? It's chapter 1, you have Jesus ascending into heaven, right? This is literally the honeymoon stage of the church, right? Ascending into heaven. The next thing you see is flames coming down, lighting on people's heads, and people are speaking all kinds of different languages and tongues. It's amazing. And then the apostles and the disciples start healing people. But in chapter 5, start the dark notes of the symphony. 
chapter 5, you see how Ananias and Sapphira start like smuggling money from the church and lying and trying to get credit. And then you see the apostles being put in jail and flogged for preaching the gospel. And here in chapter 6, Satan rears his ugly head at the church because he tried to attack, attack us from the front, but now he's trying to get from inside and cause dissension. And let's see this dissension. It says, in those days, the number of disciples were increasing. Good things were happening. The Hellenistic Jews among them started to complain against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. Let's continue. Verse 2. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, um, disciples, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and full of wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. And they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to be, uh, they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. And as a result, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of, dis- of priests became obedient to faith. The first way Satan wants to divide you, and the first, the first way Satan wants to get you out of the church is to divide you and use little things to divide this ministry. The same way he tried to divide the ministry in the book of Acts, it says, It says the Hellenistic Jews complained against the Hebraic Jews. Let me just explain to you what the difference is Hellenistic and Hebraic. All right, keep in mind, they're both Jewish, right? There was no such thing as the word Christianity back then. It was really a fulfillment of Judaism. Most of the believers were already Jewish. So they considered themselves Jew, right? Jesus was Jew and I'm a Jew and Jewish you were one too, right? So (laughs) that's what they thought, right? So they're both Jewish, The Hebraic Jews grew up going to bar mitzvahs, eating matzah. You get it, right? They are straight from Jerusalem, line of David, you know, listening to all the Moses stories and Noah, right? But the Hellenistic Jews, they grew up to, they grew up going to, you know, big fat Greek weddings and, you know, (laughs) you know, eating like, you know, you know, grapes off the vine. And they are so ingrained in, in, in Greek culture. And their cultural differences caused a division. And Satan saw an opportunity. Just like he saw an opportunity in my life with my wife. Um, My wife and I, you know, we love Jesus. Um, But before we were married, we still love Jesus. And and my wife's parents love Jesus too. So we're all under the same, you know, Jesus umbrella. But when Michelle told her parents, oh, by the way, Michelle's Korean. Um, <laughs> and when Michelle told her parents that, hey, I'm dating a black guy who uh, loves Jesus. You know what they heard? They heard I'm dating a black guy. <laughs> and um, it caused a division between me 
and her family. And as a result, there has been a division for many years and it has been very difficult for our marriage. And if it wasn't for the fact that I had a community of believers around me, we would probably be, be, be divorced by now. Because the tension that was, that was like prying us apart simply because of our cultural differences was literally wrecking us apart. And we forgot the Jesus part. We forgot the umbrella that bound us together. And it's only until now, recently, by God's grace, that that relationship is starting to be restored. And I'm able to have, you know, carbichim and, you know, pulgogi and all those words that you can't understand. Um, and I love kimchi. So, and her parents are warming up to me. So it's not, it's not, it's not perfect, but it's getting better. But if Satan were to get us, like if Satan, like if I wasn't a part of, of a community, like Michelle and I, we would have completely divided over culture. And honestly, I, uh, I sat at lunch today and I heard some stories of, of people who, um, who, who seemingly graduate from their faith. I don't know what happens when you're in junior high, high school, and then when, once, high school gra- once people graduate from high school, they just stop going to church. Does anybody know anybody like that? Just raise your hand if you know somebody who stopped going to church after high school. What is up with that? It's division, right? It's division. Satan found something for them to disagree about that probably wasn't that important. And then all of a sudden, they've been disconnected from the herd and they are being attacked by a limited spiritual being that keeps them from community. If Satan were to get you out of this community, he would divide. But you know what we're doing here tonight? We are uniting under the umbrella of Christ. And that's why we sing worship songs. That's why we, we have teams. Because, because we are stronger together. We are better together than alone. And I have more stories, but I only have 20 minutes. So next one. <laughs> so when Satan is not dividing, you know what he's doing? He is distracting. He is distracting. Oh, man. Right? Verse, verse 2. I love this part. I love this part. I so do. So the 12 of the disciples gathered together. And they said this, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the what? Spirit and full of wisdom, right? The apostles knew that they were called to do the work of the ministry, right? We, we can see that the apostles are obviously called to do the work of the ministry. They're awesome at it. But they weren't called to do all of the work of the ministry. Same thing with you. Same thing with me. Same thing with Mike Yearly. How, how weird would it be if Mike Yearly was like, put on a red, red um, Michael Yearly, my bad. I know. <laughs> wow. That, that started with like an email that like went all the way to the pulpit right now. Uh, <laughs> um, so anyways, Michael Yearly, imagine if he put on an orange vest and he was, you know, he had a lightsaber and he was like, you know, <laughs> Directing traffic, directing traffic, right? And then, 
right before service starts, he runs over to the cafe and he starts serving coffee. And then he puts the coffee down and runs over to the drum kit and starts playing the drums, right? Playing the drums, right? And then right after the drums is over, he comes up and he like preaches the word of God. And then right before the benediction, because he's got a special song, and he goes back and he starts playing the guitar, right? That would be ridiculously like too much, right? (laughs) Which you guys have like an awesome visualization of that, right? Right? Michael Yearly is called to do ministry, but he's not called to do all the ministry. And what Satan likes to do is use what you love to distract you from what you're called to do. Of course the apostles love widows. Like, like they would have loved to serve the widows. However, it would have taken away from what they were called to do. Prayer and the work of the ministry. And I believe... Satan wants to use what you love against you. Because what happens when we graduate high school? We get a taste of the real world, then we start working, and we feel like, man, I got to work because I got to get a car. I got to get a car because I got to get a girl. (laughs) And it's not wrong, but Satan will use a good thing against another good thing. It's kind of like Joker and Batman. It is. How's that for a transition, right? Uh, boom. Like, okay, so if you've seen Dark Knight, what, what does Joker do? What he does is that he finds out, like, who Batman is in love with. He finds out Batman's love interest, right? And what he does, he kidnaps her, straps a bomb on her, and puts her, like, 24 hours outside of the city. And then he plants bombs all throughout Gotham City, And then he says to Batman, Batman, you have 24 hours to save either the city that you love or the woman that you love. Ready, go. And all the guys in the audience are like, what? Save the city. There's more people. And all the girls are like, save the girl, save the girl, right? (laughs) And, And so the only way, it's so true. It's so true. And the only way, the only way Batman can accomplish both is by partnering with Gotham City's finest police department, right? Right, and so he partners, and then they're able to accomplish both because he puts himself on a team. Again, when Satan's not dividing, he's trying to distract. And the only way to defeat distraction is to be on a team. What is Satan using in your life to distract you from what you're called to do? Is it a girlfriend? Is it a boyfriend? Is it a job? The job thing gets me every time, especially 1825. It's not like you have kids or anything. Um, like, I mean, some of you do. Burnaby, I love you. Um, I love you. But, but 18, like, like the job thing is weird because like, I know that you have a boss, right? A physical boss who's not... A, anything compared to God, our, our boss. And he, and he chooses to book you on a Sunday, and you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll work one Sunday. And then one Sunday turns into two Sundays, and two Sundays turns into, I'm not ever going to church again. And you've seen that happen because we choose to not have boundaries, and the enemy knows that you don't know how to say the word no. But the apostles knew how to say the word no. And instead of neglecting the word, 
They saw an opportunity to bring people on board and to raise ministry up and raise up leaders because good leaders delegate and disciple. If you're in ministry, you need to know that. Good leaders delegate and disciple. And when Satan's not distracting, oh gosh, can I just talk about delegation and teamwork? Verse three, the disciples are explaining their plan to everyone and saying, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit, full of wisdom, and we will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the word. This is the apostles deciding to implement a teamwork strategy. And teamwork makes the dream work, let me tell you. (laughs) Teamwork makes the dream work. And you can see teamwork even in creation, right? God instituted us to not be alone. It's not good for man to be alone, right? God instituted teamwork in creation, and we see this in bees, right? So if you look at a beehive, there's 50% of the bees stay inside. The other 50% go out looking for honey and bringing honey to the beehive, But the other 50% of the bees, you know what they're doing? You probably know. You saw the same National Geographic thing I did. (laughs) The bees on the inside, what they're doing is flapping their wings, keeping the inside of the honeycomb 10% cooler. And the next day, those bees that were hunting for honey now switch with the bees on the inside. And this is a system that happens naturally in creation. Another, Another system that happens naturally in creation is geese also in the same National Geographic discovery issue, (laughs) is geese, they fly in Vs, right? They fly in these, you know, together. And the point point geese flaps their wings and it creates a, a drift, like a wind for the other geese to fly on, making it 70% easier to fly so they don't have to use as much energy. And guess what? They fly 70% further together than by themselves. And when the point geese is tired, you know what happens? They change formation. And this happens naturally in creation. You know what doesn't happen naturally in creation? The DMV. They're, <laughs> they're so disorganized. That's not even funny. I don't understand how you get a number and you sit there for five hours. You know what causes that disorganization? sin. (laughs) It's true. Dude, sin, sin, like, disintegrates, like, sin will, like, like, drain you of your energy, and it will isolate you from the crowd. But teamwork rejuvenates so that you can fly further together than apart. So the third point, the third way that Satan wants to get you out of the church, when he's not dividing, he is distracting. When he's not distracting, he is deceiving. Deceiving. (sighs) Verse five. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, man full of faith, and Philip, and I'll tell you the names, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, Nicholas, Verse 6, and they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. The big, deception, the big deception that Satan wants to do in this situation is to make these people think that what they're doing is unspiritual, insignificant, 
It's, after all, it's just a soup kitchen. But if you think about Stephen and Philip, I don't know if you read ahead, you probably did, or maybe you didn't, but Stephen ends up preaching the longest sermon that's written in the Bible other than Jesus, of course. And then he ends up becoming the first martyr. A martyr is someone who dies for what they believe in, for a greater cause. And as a result of Stephen's death and sacrifice and his message, you know what happens? The church ends up just like building on top of that and growing and growing and growing and they couldn't stop it. And it all started because he decided that, that the people decided that he should wait tables for some widows. Philip, he's another interesting one. Oh gosh, you guys should totally read the Bible. Um, (laughs) Philip, Philip was a great evangelist and God gave him the ability to transport like, 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 like beam me up, Scotty, like transport to another evangelistic opportunity. And then you find him like speaking to an Ethiopian eunuch and then telling them about Jesus and then baptizing and then boom, disappear off to another place. Like, what? This guy has like, trans- like transformating, I don't know what it was, but he had, he had some crazy powers. Huh? Teleportation. Thank you. All right. All my Trekkies in the house. But it all started with, it all started with serving tables at a soup kitchen. The reason why is because when God gives you something small to be responsible for, he gives you more things to be responsible for. Because for the Christian, there's no such thing as an insignificant moment. Everything is a holy moment. Because there's people involved and people have souls. It's important to view small things because small things turn into big things. I remember when I was an intern here and I thought I had small things to do. And it could, have, it, could have, it could have wrecked me if I didn't see the significance in it. And one of the things that I had to do was clean out the storage unit over there on the F lot, parking lot. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been inside it, but I don't know if you realize it's technically an oven slash storage unit. And um, you do. And so one of my jobs was, you know, I, I was an intern for the high school department and I was supposed to clean out the storage unit. And I remember cleaning out one of the Kajabi can-can buckets and I'm, I'm at the bottom, I'm looking at the bottom of the bucket and I'm like, I don't remember seeing fur in the last game. And um, I'm starting to see the fur and then I start to see bones and I start to see teeth. And I realized something literally crawled in here and died. Um, <laughs> and it was like 160 degrees in there. And my job was to clean that out. And I'm here to tell you that still wasn't an unspiritual moment. Uh, somehow, because from there, God gave me other things to be responsible for. And as a result, I know when it comes to delegation that I'm never going to ask somebody to do something that I'm not willing to do or that I haven't already did. Okay, Haley? I'll give you... <laughs> I'll give you the keys to the storage unit. Um, just kidding. Um, small goals turn into big goals. Small things turn into big things. These guys were giving a seemingly insignificant task, but it turned into one of the most... It, it ended up in the Bible. Like, that's a big deal. And these guys ended up becoming champions of our faith. 
When Satan's not dividing, he's deceiving you to think that your role is insignificant. And all it takes is one person, person not noticing what you did. All it takes is one person not noticing that somebody set up that prayer corner and they did an amazing job. Somebody set up that cafe and they did a phenomenal job. All it takes is one person not noticing for division, distraction to happen. All it takes is a name forgotten. Sorry, people, if I forgot your name. Um, All it takes is you thinking you're insignificant because the pastor doesn't know my name. Boom, instant conflict. But it doesn't have to be that way. We can decide today that every moment is a holy moment and that God wants to make the most of this opportunity. The result of this kind of thinking is in verse 7. The result happens is, is that the word of God spread and the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and the large number of priests became obedient to faith. Pause. Okay, these priests possibly could have been the same priests who kicked the apostles out of the city and and jailed them and told them not to preach the gospel. All because they chose to organize a soup kitchen. These priests are a big deal. I don't have enough time to tell you how big of a deal they are because I only got 10 minutes. But when we choose to not let Satan divide us, deceive us, and distract us, great things happen. When Satan can't outwardly attack you from the outside, he will do whatever he can to get you to disagree, divide, be discouraged from the inside. I want you to know that sometimes when we're unhappy with a group or even with a relationship, we can decide to look at our own heart before changing our circumstances. We can decide to look at our own heart before changing the circumstances. Think about this guy. There's a a quick story about a guy who was moving from Johnstown to Jamestown. And on his way to Jamestown, him and his family stopped at a cafe. And the cafe owner says, hey, looks like you guys are moving somewhere. Where Where are you going? And the guy said, hey, oh, I'm moving to Jamestown. The last place that I lived, the people were horrible. They were terrible. They were grumpy. They were, oh, they were so bad. And the cafe owner said to him, well, the people in Jamestown are like that too. Then the next guy was moving to Jamestown. He stops at the same cafe, and the cafe owner says, hey, looks like, looks like you're moving. Where are you headed? And, and the guy says, we're moving to Jamestown. The last place we lived at, people were so great. They were always happy. They were smiling all the time. It was so hard for us to leave. What are the people in Jamestown like? And the cafe owner said, well, the people in Jamestown are like that too. And I tell you that story is to let you know that whatever situation, whatever circumstances you're in, guess who the common denominator is? You. And before you change your circumstance, look at your heart. The second thing I want you to know is that if you find yourself 
having a cause to complain. Maybe you're feeling, you're feeling offended. I want you to tell the leaders. Don't go telling your f- friends or people who can't do anything about it. You send complaints up. Send complaints up. You send encouragements all around. But if you have a cause for complaint, tell somebody who can do something about it. And third, expect to be a part of the solution. Expect to be a part of the solution. And that's why we have the teams, and I want you to sign up for a team and help us solve the problems that we can't fix alone, but we can only fix if we are united. And let this place become a ministry where Satan tries to divide, but we unite. Where Satan tries to distract, but we delegate. And where Satan tries to deceive, but we pray and make every moment a holy moment. Would you please stand with me? Father, thank you for your protection. Thank you for my family around me. Thank you that I don't have to fly alone. I ask right now, you open my eyes to hear and see how valuable and how precious this moment is. We just pray right now for your protection from the enemy. We pray that we will not be deceived, that we will not be distracted, and we will not divide. But instead today we choose and we commit to unite and to check our hearts. We thank you for this. We thank you for your word. And we thank you for our family here at Soma. In Jesus' name, amen.